Welcome back to the Lessons for Tomorrow podcast, the motivational poster in your ear. I'm your host, Tim Alanius, VP of Strategic Initiatives at AmericanEagle.com. In this episode, we're going to be diving into B2B commerce, and today I am joined by Zenode, our special guests in-house, with Tom Fleurl and Rupesh Agarwal. Tom is the Vice President, Marketing and Business Development at Amla Commerce, and he is a thoroughly experienced business leader. He has been a part of the success in the B2B and B2C space for the past two decades, and his industry knowledge includes professional services, technology, manufacturing, distribution, healthcare, financial services, consumer packaged goods, and much more. Previously, Tom held leadership positions at two digital agencies and a custom software development shop. He is frequently featured as a speaker and thought leader on digital commerce and the integration of branding, marketing, and technology, and for the past four years has been at Amla Commerce. Rupesh, our special special guest, is the president and CEO at Amla Commerce and the creator of Artify and Zenode. With over 20 years in the e-commerce space, he's an executive, entrepreneur, developer, and e-commerce evangelist. With nearly 200 successful e-commerce deployments, he has extensive experience working with a plethora of e-commerce platforms, ranging from mid to enterprise level solutions. Prior to joining Amla Commerce as president and CEO, he was president and CEO of Xeon Solutions and senior e-business platform developer at Brady Corporations. Rupesh brings forward inspirational leadership and guidance for growth for businesses of all sizes. I'm in the presence of sheer genius expertise in the e-commerce world here. I am so excited today. Tom Rupesh, welcome to the show. Thank Thank you, Tim. Great to be here. So today we're going to be talking a lot about B2B commerce, but before we dive into that, tell me a little bit about Zenode and where you're at today, maybe where you were before a little bit and just where things are evolving with Zenode itself and in the B2B commerce space. So Tim, uh, this is Rupesh here, just to get everyone familiarized with my voice. I was also doing e-commerce implementations. So before I started the product company, you know, my goal was to help companies implement various different platforms, you know, from Magento to Hybris to Sitecore to several other platforms and did that for 15 years and realized that uh, I think I have love for for building a platform that sort of helps all the all the needs that is in the market that some of the platforms that we work with don't do as well. So I ran into Zenode and acquired that, and there we go, you know, and uh, and started that journey. Yeah, and and started that (laughs) journey. Uh, So, and then as soon as I got uh, going in Zenode, we basically decided to rebuild it ground up based on all the experience that uh, me and my team had gathered, you know, in our experiences. So that's how the journey started. Wonderful, wonderful. And Tom, your journey coming into Zenode. Yeah, basically, I had been working in a digital agency and working with various e-commerce and CMS platforms. And Rupesh and I uh, met through a friend at lunch, and we talked about Zenode and the platform and the opportunity in the market. And it was pretty easy to make a decision from there. So, and it's been a great, great four years. So, wonderful, wonderful. I, I missed the trade shows where I got to see you, Tom, <laughs> and I think Rupesh one or two. We, we we may have bumped into each other, but overall, just with the field of e-commerce and, and just a popular topic on most of the show episodes is just the impact that we saw in the industry and really want your guys's take on how B2B commerce was impacted with the pandemic. A lot of businesses were forced to go into a faster digital transformation than they were before. 
B2B historically has always been a little bit behind on the B2C front as far as technology adoption and the e-commerce push, but it's definitely been gaining traction and ground over the past several years. But last year definitely had a big impact on them. So what are some of the things that you saw happening as a result of the pandemic and everything? What we saw, Tim, was that doors that used to be open were closed. So the traditional salesperson, my dad was actually a purchasing agent for a manufacturing company. So I always had this story of like, I knew that he had a desk with catalogs behind it and people are constantly coming in his office and that's, that's how he bought and that he's retired, but that, that still was alive pre COVID and B2B suddenly COVID happens and people are working from home. And that really accelerated the need for purchasing agents now to not be able to meet with a rep face to face, but to be able to transact online. So, and different manufacturers and distributors are already investing in B2B, but it accelerated their need to invest mm -hmm. because the traditional doors were closed and now they had to use electronic commerce as a means of, of selling it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And was there any impact that you see your product helping in that transition? And, and just talk to me a little bit about how Zenote is the, the right fit for a company that either is looking to get into that space, right? And there's still some that are out there that haven't made that mm -hmm. transition yet. But then also others who may have been on a solution that I typically find with B2B clients, there's a lot of, I'll call it senior technology stacks, <laughs> where there's a lot of history behind why they're there. They're stuck there. For some reason, it's a much larger effort, but the commerce need is so great. How does Zenote help come into play when, when the conversation is with a company that's either brand new looking at it or when it's going to have to fit it into an existing uh, tech stack? Good question. And we see the same thing in B2B. If companies had already invested in B2B e-commerce, they were on legacy platforms. It could be that 10 years ago, they bought a platform that was really developed for B2C and didn't have a lot of flexibility and they customized it to a level where it's now very slow and it needs a lot of care in order to stay working or uh, maybe they had a homegrown system. And the issue became speed to market. COVID hits, they need to change how they sell, they need to stand up a new store, maybe they need to change their catalogs based upon accounts, et cetera. And their IT teams didn't grow exponentially with what the customer demanded. And so, you know, how Zenode fits in there, a lot of times we're not working with customers that are, it's their first time at e-commerce, they're actually replacing a legacy system or a highly customized platform that's older. And what we see happening with a lot of customers is that they're able to get to market faster than they could with a legacy platform. And they're able to get to market faster than most other platforms that we would be competing against, especially if their product information is in good shape. But the ability to import product information, quickly stand up a store, apply account-based pricing rules, Typically, they can get to market fast. And then there's the other pieces of the project, like integrating yeah. with an ERP and pulling mm -hmm. data in and out. That is so crucial in B2B. Yeah. So what we saw and, and what we continue to see now is, you know, it's not an option anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, doing business via online is is the way to go, right? So a lot of customers who are, who are not ready to make these moves, they didn't have an option, right? So So that accelerated. And then what we are realizing in the B2B world and the whole multi-channel world is traditional platforms that have been around for a decade, they solve traditional problems. They don't solve what the need today is, right? Mm -hmm. And what we are seeing is, you know, when as soon as we go to customers that have been doing businesses for decades and 
their e-commerce needs have become commerce needs because that's how commerce is done today, right? Yeah. So to me, ease like dropped from there, right? Mm -hmm. So when you look at commerce needs, it's true multi-channel. And I can't just fit a traditional e-commerce platform that was B2C and now it's being advertised as B2B capability capable as well. It doesn't just fit the bill. Mm -hmm. So these customers have needs for their end customers the way they do businesses together for decades and, and they're unique, right? Yeah. And the platforms today need to be extremely flexible. And that's where the headless and, and ease of integration and ease of thinking much broader and, and bringing that, mm -hmm. right? You know, we always use an example of, you know, banking went through this revolution a decade ago. Now with your Chase phone app, you can do everything. You hardly go to the, the lobby oh, yeah. and, and drive through and whatnot, right? You, you pretty much do everything on your phone. The same thing is going to start happening in the B2B world where all that is going to happen. But in order to pull that together, a traditional B2C platform can do that. It's not just, you know, going and searching for a product, adding to the cart and checkout. It's not consumer business. Mm -hmm. When you think about B2B, it's a lot more complex. I want to see my history from the ERP system because I had a lot of orders in the last 10 years that I never placed online. I need my contract pricing. I need to th see things based on my agreements that are in place. So what we see is in order to make customers adapt, they really need to give them everything. And, and that's what we are seeing. So I'm gonna unpack on one word that both of you used. There's a couple others I'm gonna unpack yeah. later too, but flexibility, you both mentioned that. And we've seen that as well here at AmericanEagle.com of where a client comes in, a B2B client, and they need a flexible solution because to your point, Rupesh, the B2C platforms that are out there don't have what is needed by a B2B customer. Yep. Uh, and, and especially in B2B commerce. I'm, and in future, just full discretion, I'm going to steal your drop the E in e-commerce sure. and it's just commerce now because it's so true. But overall, the flexible needs, both from a pricing perspective, from multi-store, right? Yep. There's a lot of things that B2B has a historical need always for yep. that B2C platforms never have to address. And when they try to address it, they don't have the knowledge and experience of it. And when they try and force it, it's going to give the end customer a bigger problem because they're customizing as much as they can to make it work the way it needs to versus Xeno's really coming in with that mindset already because you're B2B focused. 100%. So with that, when we look at multi-store, multi-channel, what are some other ways, and, and I'm going to pick on another word that you both used, but headless. And another big buzzword right now. So headless has been a buzzword for a while, and we can go into all sorts of philosophical debates about what headless truly means to people. But composable commerce is the other big one. And so how are you seeing both either headless or composable commerce really or composable overall is just a general term because there's composable architecture, composable you know, non-commerce aspects to the way the word's being used. I, I feel like it's one of those that Gartner or mm -hmm. Forrester came out and were like, we're using this word this year. It's the word of the year. It's I, I call it my last episode, like the, the Merriam Dictionary, Webster's Dictionary of here's the word of the year. Today, it's composable. But headless has been one too. So how, how has headless really kind of changed the way Zeno's looked at things? Or have you seen customers needing to approach it? Yeah. So what I would say is these are obviously buzzwords, right? And they don't the words don't solve the problems. What solves the problem, what we're seeing is, you know, imagine like a Lego set, right? Mm -hmm. And the platform really needs to be as flexible as that. Like you don't have to really just go build that same train that is on the picture. You need to be able to 
put those things together in the way you want. And what we believe is headless, composable, they all ultimately mean that a customer can use the platform as a framework and really extend it and expand it according to how they have been doing business for their end customers. Mm -hmm. So that's that's what really headless and you know composable and all these things ultimately get you to. Yeah. So it's going to be a buzzword that you're going to pretty much hear every platform claiming they mm -hmm. are, but but we all know. I mean, platforms have been around decades, and you know these buzzwords weren't there. Oh yeah. So everyone is trying to rapidly sort of change their marketing campaigns. Yeah. You know, it's like the word experience. Yes. I probably say the word a thousand times a day because of all the change that's happened. I've been saying it for a good number of years now, and it's like, oh, now it's not a CMS platform anymore. It's a DXP platform. Yes. It's just headless is the new commerce word for the yes. year. So, mm -hmm. you know, we could also just say headless is the new orange, but uh, we, we won't go there. Yeah. So overall, when we look at some of the aspects of the complexity of B2B e-commerce or commerce, to your point, let's talk a little bit more about just pains in the market right now. What are you seeing that Zenote is really fitting the need of for your customers and when you're going out there? That's a really good question, right? I'll uh, take a nice case study and I'll give, give that to you. So, so we have a customer in Southeast US. This customer started 100 years ago. They started building a product that was being sold to local small restaurants. Then they started selling that product to bigger, large franchises like Marriott Hotels, mm -hmm. right? Then they saw, oh, you know, we can even sell it to consumers because our brand is starting to get recognized. Then they started partnering with airlines to serve, you know, their customers the same product. So as they build this ecosystem, they have five to seven different channels of how they sell. Mm -hmm. They've got a B2C need because, you know, I as their consumer, uh, consuming their brand, like their product on the airline that I was flying. So I go home and I'm looking online saying I want to buy this. They have their large franchises, which are big contracts that need to be buying. They have small retailers that are buying that want to have their products in their store and so on. And then they've got these small mid to size businesses that are buying and, and they all buy differently, right? A Marriott hotel buys large quantities for different regions, whereas airlines, you know, have, have different kinds of contracts. So. So that's a great case study, you know, and, and I know people were, use the word B2B. B2B can mean, you know, 100 different things, right? And I just gave you an example yeah. of seven different ways a $250 million family-owned, 100-year-old business is selling, right? And, and Zenote solves that for them. You know, that's when we say true multi-channel. Mm -hmm. We are able to come in, centralize all their product information, and, and let them launch all of these different portals slash stores, you know, for their different targets and let them do the business. And, and with single integration to SAP, they can achieve all that. That's a good use case, you know, when what, what we call as complex B2B, mm -hmm. you know, because in a traditional way, when we walk into customers like that, they've got a Shopify store for, for B2C. They've got, you know, a legacy platform like Hybris for their B2B. Mm -hmm. And they're still suffering because they're not able to take care of these other four channels that are asking for, for commerce online. Yeah. And that's, that's the beauty of Zenode. Tom, any additions to that? The example is, is spot on about the multi-channel need. If you don't take that approach with a platform or a framework that can really build for what your organization needs, you end up with this splintered tech stack that 
You've got multiple people managing multiple channels that aren't communicating to one another. So you really are are, are working in silos in that perspective and you try and integrate them. Well, good luck. But right. And you can take that pain and multiply it because there's multiple ERP integrations. But where we also see a lot of efficiency on top of the total cost of ownership being reduced and operational efficiencies is customer service teams. The ability to be logging into one backend administration console, managing orders, ordering on behalf of, basically helping the customer through a purchasing journey, but not having to log into four different backends to do that based upon who the customer is, and also helping with turnover in those companies. So it's not uncommon for customer service people to turn over and inside salespeople to turn over. Well, to onboard a new sales inside salesperson or customer service rep and then train them on four different platforms, it's painful. It yeah. causes more turnover, <laughs> right? It just accelerates yeah. some of the human capital issues that are also a big issue for businesses today mm-hmm. as well. Oh, yeah, a, a big problem today. And as we look at just some additional pains in the market, where are we at with regards to just the ability for subscription-based ordering. And how is that impacting in the B2B space? Uh, I look at the fact that usually you have the buyers in time. You mentioned kind of that experience with your, your dad with manufacturing and, and the catalogs. Right, That's what I always think about when I think about B2B is just the big catalogs that you would order from. And But overall, we've seen a lot of growing desire for subscription solutions with commerce. And I look at it where, Rupesh, you mentioned manufacturer who ended up in multiple channels, including B2C. I always use my own life as an example and my wife, which is always fun, um, but she never listens. Uh, so uh, I'll this is always being talk recorded, about you know. Oh, I know. I tell her every time, I go, you should listen to it. You might understand what I do for my job. But either way, we have a GE refrigerator. We have a little water filter in it. You know, it's another one of those wonderful things that they've got you now every, you know, few months. You got to replace that water filter. It's the easiest solution where they go, oh, well, sign up for our subscription program and we'll just mail them to you on a regular basis. Same with air filters, et cetera. I look at that and I go, well, GE, big brand, right? They have B2B channels, they have B2C channels, and I sign up for a subscription. It's a different process, and I've seen a lot more B2C subscriptions that are starting to offer the ability to be flexible with when you change your subscription order. Do you really need a refill right now? Are you seeing any need for subscription ordering on the B2B side with who you've been working with, and and does Zeno accommodate for some of that subscription aspect? Yeah, so we we definitely accommodate for that, and uh, what we are seeing is it's it's more of a B two C consumables, mm-hmm. right? So you give the filter example, you know, HP is doing that with their printer ink now, you yeah. know, printer on a subscription, right? And all kinds of consumables, right, on the B two C. On the B two B world, it really depends customers to customers, you know, or, or manufacturer to manufacturer, depending on what kind of products they're selling. So there is a need for sure. But it all depends on the product type. If you run into consumables, yes. Mm-hmm. But then also, so, so the percentage, you know, if you have consumables, the percentage is high in that market. If not, you know, then, then we don't see that. Yeah. And I just want to stat drop here for all the listeners uh, from Znode's Ultimate B2B E-Commerce Guide. You can find a link in the show notes here. But just from the U.S. perspective, the U.S. B2B e-commerce market's projected to reach a value of $1.8 trillion by 2023 which will be about 17% of all U.S. sales. That's a massive number. And I think that also goes to show the need for a tech platform that solves your B2B needs, but you can continue to grow within. And I know Znode provides that opportunity. And with the e-commerce adoption rate being kind of accelerated in the B2B space, 
where are you seeing if we'd say just 2023 to 2025 where's b2b commerce going to grow in your minds and you know in this little you know crystal ball moment here it's not you know we're not holding anyone to anything but just what do you think is going to be some of the additional changes coming the stats that i've also seen state that roughly 80% of all distributors already have an e-commerce platform. Mm-hmm. Well, I did see a stat today that said 40% of distributors would like to replatform. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what are we seeing is it, it still goes back to on the distributor side, these legacy platforms that some distributors may be underinvested initially because they were dipping their toe in the water and all of a sudden now they have to have a dynamic platform. So we're seeing that. And then with that comes the maturity of, well, here's the five mistakes we made in the past, whether it's the speed of the platform, whether it's the flexibility of the platform, whether it's some true B2B functionality that didn't exist. I think there's just a maturity state happening there. As you go more upstream in distributors, then typically you also have multi-brand opportunities as are issues as well, right? Mm -hmm. So the distributor may have five different distributor bands because MA is very activity is very heavy in the distribution space right now. So how do you manage five different brands and cross sell across those brands if you're a, a billion dollar distributor? Mm-hmm. That that would be the next move that we see on that side. And the manufacturing side, it's a little bit different, right? So on the manufacturing side, last stat I saw only 39% of manufacturers had invested in B2B e-commerce. So as you go upstream, obviously that number gets greater, but it's the same thing there. Manufacturers often have homegrown e-commerce platforms that were primarily put in place to connect to the ERP and create a portal for distributors. Now they're seeing the opportunity to basically publish their catalog online, maybe not share prices for the sake of growing their business through SEO, Mm -hmm. right? So a different experience than a portal. And then somebody usually in a marketing department says, well, why don't we take this one product line and sell it direct to consumer or direct to customer? And again, what do you have there? Now you have multi-channel. multi-channel. And then, of course, yeah. you want to syndicate your products to Granger and Amazon Business. And, well, there's another mm-hmm. channel. So what does it look like in the next couple of years? I think you said 2025. It really is going to be e-commerce is commerce. Mm-hmm. Multi-channel is is behind everything. But that's also very complex, right? So how do you solve for all of that? We would argue Zenode, but we'd also mm-hmm. argue that flexibility of it sits between your ERP, your CRM. Maybe it's sitting between three ERPs because of acquisitions mm-hmm. and a CRM. And so it's it's a little bit of being able to serve different channels, but also to operationally to be able to sit between these legacy systems, pull data and serve the right information catalog content to the right customer that's a long answer tim but that's, oh, it's, that's it's where it's good going. it's good because going. i fully agree that the multi-channel and especially like you mentioned the, the feeds out in the channels to granger to amazon business those have been around you've seen some businesses adopt it who some who went on to it and then came off of it as well and it just depends on their strategy of where they want to be but i look at just the difference that's also happened in the past 18 months 20 months now of that sudden shift, right? And you gave some good stats about, you know, 80% have an e-commerce platform in the B2B space, but 40% are considering a replatform of that because they were forced into it. A lot of people were also forced into new channels last year, new methods. Now this, you know, past five, six months of, of 2021, I've been seeing a lot of the reconsideration of, well, we did that because of the moment in 2020. Now we're looking to actually see how to optimize and what's correct. And 
moving forward with that, when you look at all those different channels, you look, you got to look at the data model, right? And, and the way that you're feeding out each channel and the different ways that headless can bring into play the information that's there. We can now use that data in so many different ways through a headless approach. So commerce is one of them. You've got your product catalog. You talked about the pricing. Well, with headless, a lot of that's API driven first. So when you look at implementing a lot of the solutions nowadays, almost everything has an API. And so if we have an API first mentality, we can actually be in a lot of those systems with information because we can connect between them. And I think that brings back again to that word we're kind of centering around flexible, right? The flexibility of that solution needs to have an API. It Mm -hmm. needs to be able to drive through a headless approach which is typically API driven. Mm -hmm. And with that, we get into the ability to be in multiple channels. We give the different feeds, we give the different experiences at the end of the day, because we talked a little bit earlier about, well, those acquisitions, I've got five brands now, I've got five different call centers. I have to train them on either one platform solution, and now I have a better opportunity to ensure that I have employee coverage, no matter the brand, or I have to have five different teams trained on five different systems and hope that they connect information. And by the way, if you cross sell between those brands, good luck on them being able to find the right information to deliver the results to the customer at the end of the day. With all that, and I know I was just long winded there, that's me, I can be that way. I wanna talk about just pricing structures. One of the biggest things that we usually have to talk through with B2B customers is the different ways that they handle pricing structures. And a lot of that stems from their ERP, their pricing uh, model that they have in place as an organization. So I know it's unique, again, brings us back to flexibility, but what are you seeing as the way that Zenote helps solve that for customers? When we talk about pricing, right, in the B2B world, there are no rules for it. The sales, <laughs> the sales rep might have, you know, have a relationship with a customer for a decade or two decades or five decades and they might have a unique pricing just for that special customer or a contractor and so on. So we see all kinds of, of different rules for different you know end users and so on. So that's what we try to solve in Zenode is we said, we, based on our 20 years of experience, we have learned that when we go into the B2B world, the pricing can be from A to Z. And, and traditional platforms solve for a couple of use cases, the standard pricing, and maybe they'll they'll provide user group pricing. So group prices, right? That's pretty typical in our industry. Yep. What we did was we said, well, no, we got to solve for other three to five use cases as well so that we give flexibility, mm-hmm. so that we can have matrix prices, we can have tier pricing, you know, and these are all standard things. Mm-hmm. But then the key is having, uh, you know, Mr. Smith's prices and Mr. Agarwal's prices, you know, mm-hmm. how do we allow them to do that? How do we allow them to do real-time pricing from these various ERP systems and then, cash it in a manner where it's speed because people want speed and at the same time bringing them real-time prices. Yeah. So support for that. So, I mean, I, I can I can rattle so many different use cases here, but the whole idea is we have to understand in B2B world where traditional sales reps have been, you know, having these relationships for decades and they did have special kind of pricing for their customers and their customers expect that to be seen on the website if, they, if you're gonna to try to move them to start doing transactions online. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you're not gonna do that, they're gonna still call the sales rep and say, I don't see my pricing here. Yep. So why don't you just you know, do that order for me? Yeah. And in order to do that transition, we gotta start supporting all those use cases. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. Love the flexibility there. You bring up the point that some people will call if they aren't seeing the information or the pricing that they're expecting. 
Have you had any examples of organizations who implemented a B2B commerce platform, in this case, Znode, and the sellers were a bit hesitant to adopt it because they value that relationship that they've had for possibly 20 plus years. And I know we've we've dealt with that with a few clients when they were kind of adopting into the new technology, getting that opportunity to let the buyers come in and just go through a portal versus call up the rep. Have you seen any change in that mentality? Yeah, so, so I'll throw in another buzzword here, Tim, you know, channel conflict, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and we've all heard this for two decades now since, yeah. since Amazon came out, right? Oh my God, you know, B2B is never going to happen online because mm-hmm. of all these channels, right? So, so we were talking about internal, you know, sales reps as well as external distributors, mm-hmm. right? So all these channel conflicts. What has happened, I would tell you is, you know, 10 years ago, these were real conflicts and, and you'd go to a manufacturer site, a B2B site, and you'll see we can buy from, and then there'll be links to all kinds of, you know, Home Depot sites and Amazon and whatnot, right? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, the channels prohibited them to sell direct. Yeah. But especially with COVID now, and with the way the shift is happening already, right? The internal sales reps, as well as the distributors and other channel, they're all realizing that this is going to happen. And in order to actually let manufacturer elevate their brands, they will have to do that. And I think so that there's a realization that is happening across. It is definitely accelerated with COVID. So I think now the key is the platform needs to be flexible so that it supports these different rules that B2B world is coming with how to handle these conflicts. Mm -hmm. So I think what you'll see is the sales rep, a traditional sales rep is going to be totally fine as long as all the allocations for the commissions and everything is done appropriately and the platform solves that. Yeah, wonderful. That and the platform should also enable the salespeople with data so that Mm -hmm. they are actually going to customers with data saying, you know, whatever, here's the 20 items you usually order. However, these other 10 would fit well into your mix, your product mix, and they can use the data from e-commerce to actually upsell and to build tighter relationships. So maybe you can talk a little bit about the sales console. Yeah, Yeah, so Mm -hmm. Tim, uh, one of the things that we have done and and at Xeno recently is we have have actually released what is called a sales rep portal, Mm. right? So so you have the- So whole new UI? Yes, whole new UI, right? So whole new UI. So we've got the B2C store, Mm -hmm. we've got the B2B store, you know, like I said, and now we have sales rep portal. Mm-hmm. So as a sales rep, you can go in, select the account, see what's happening, get a full 360-degree view, mm-hmm. and then also assist with orders. You know, so you can take yeah. your iPad, go to the... So they're all seeing the same thing. You know, everyone is searching the same way, looking for the same things. So we are actually trying to make it true multi-channel and enable sales reps to use online and, and let their customers use the same tools and so on. Yeah, Now, and again, the importance of that is that it's all based off the same central data set because Absolutely. you now get to your point that full 360 as a sales rep, a B2B goes in, they see their information, they get all their past order history, yep. which is critical to them. Yep. I in, in, Until I worked with uh, B2B commerce clients here at American Eagle, I didn't realize the importance of the longevity of data that B2B buyers wanted. Yep. And how they were always adamant, we have to pull that data in, we have to bring it in. But they were using that and they were reordering from it and looking at just all that information to make decisions. So, all right. So I really want to get, Tom gave us a little bit of the future, but Rupesh, I want to get a little bit more of the future thoughts from you of just what does it hold for us? The next iteration of B2B commerce specifically in your mind 
If you could say, I want to see it do that, what would that be? <laughs> that's a that's a loaded question. <laughs> uh, thanks for the heads up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, so to me, right, if you think about it, e-commerce hasn't changed, right? Mm-hmm. All the traditional platforms keep thinking the same way. I would say even at Zenode, we started thinking the same way. You know, we just need another platform, right? Mm-hmm. And there's plethora of e-commerce platforms, yeah. right? Too bad I didn't invent Zoom, right? <laughs> so the key is, I think what is going to end up happening is eventually, remember what used to be called customer portals and IBM mm-hmm. had portlets and whatnot, <laughs> right? Eventually, what I think is going to happen is in five to 10 years, right? The graduation of all the B2B is, is going to happen to such a level where the end customers, they would want to see everything just like you can go see it in an ERP like SAP. Yeah, It's going to become a true portal for me to see everything about how I do, I've done business with you. Just like you can do that with a Chase phone app. Yeah. You know, that's where the world is going. Mm-hmm. I think we are still, you know, in the Shopify and the B2C world. And people are not seeing the big vision is like customers are going to expect to see everything, pay online, pay yeah. their invoices online. There, there is going to be no paper trail. Suddenly, you know, you're going to see it in the B2B portal, turn my online statements, you know, mm-hmm. on, right? So that way I never even get any paper trail. I don't yeah. have to buy. So I think I think that's those those things are going to come back, believe it or not. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I love the app example too, because uh, one of the ones just for my future, you know, as I see different things and I went through just some repair stuff uh, at my home recently and I brought in a repair guy, but the QR codes, the internet of things, just how do we look to have that help automate you got the, you know, repair orders that go in, the assignment of the jobs, the parts are all there. But you can actually let that portal build that entire 100%. day out. The warranty look the up. The warranty look up, all of it. Yep. The manual process I want to get rid of. I completely agree. Yep. And the paper the paper trail, too. Yep. I mean, like you said, I rarely, I had to go into the bank the other day for cashier's check. It was like, wait, what do I have to do yeah, again? Exactly. It's like, but I, I can't send that through, you know, online. And it's so it's it's coming. Yeah. But to your point, that app is so powerful. That's what these same B2B portals will start to deliver on. So it's great. Yep. It's great. Well, Tom Rupesh, so great to have you on the show today. Any final thoughts before we sign off from this episode? No, I think thank you, Tim. I think you asked some really good questions, you know, and uh, it was wonderful. Great. Yeah. Thank you, Tim. Thanks yeah. for hosting us. Absolutely. Absolutely. Everyone, thank you for tuning into the future by listening to the Lessons for Tomorrow podcast. For more information about the topics discussed today, check out the description of this episode, along with links to the ultimate B2B e-commerce guide from Znode. If you want us to cover a topic or submit feedback, please email us at lessonsfortomorrow at americaneagle.com and let us know. While you're at it, if you wouldn't mind giving us a rating and sharing this podcast with others to prepare them for the future, and please don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Lessons for Tomorrow. This episode is brought to you by AmericanEagle.com Studios. I'm your host, Tim Melanius, and I'll catch you in the next lesson.